Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network as well. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. Rob, sorry, I sound a bit delicate today. Um, just a few Monday night drinks for me, but uh, I'm guessing you're feeling better than I am today. No beverages for me. Absolutely on the ball. A few cups of coffee. Some nice uh, Ribenas here as well, keeping me going. So, yes, I'm well hydrated and ready for the promised land. How, how many coffees do you have each day? I will have one in the morning, normally like a big coffee in the morning, and then I'm decaf most of the way. Every now and then, if I'm editing in the afternoon or in the evening, there's sometimes I might have had one, but generally just have that one in the morning. That's the one that gets me going. Get I go out the house and go and get one and come back and do it that way. Obviously working from home. And then lots and lots of pints of these to uh, stay fresh and hydrated. These as in, that's Ribena, did you say? That is, it's like uh, Robinson's. This is a, just, there we go. Just I in case you're listening and not watching on YouTube. No, of course. Uh, and, and, and if they uh, if Robinson's would like to sponsor us for that spot, please get in touch from our email address. We would like any coffee sponsors as well. Please get in Absolutely. touch. Absolutely. I we also drink that. a lot of coffee. Uh, yes, yeah, so you can subscribe to our show and sponsor our show if you would like. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays, we are on YouTube as well. Hit the like button, subscribe, join the community uh, and leave a comment on this video as well and share it if you would like. Get in touch with us. We've, we're seeing a lot of people showing us love on Twitter at the moment, which is very, very appreciated. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU. For the show as well, today we'll be talking about uh, Cody Gakpo can never be too far from the headlines. There's been some quotes from Marcel Brands on whether he will be sold. The P I think PSV are ready to sell. Uh, we'll talk Gonzalo Ramos, who is your one-hit wonder at the World Cup. Played for Portugal, scored a hat-trick, then played the next game, and Portugal went crashing out. And it, he didn't do anything, essentially. And uh, plays for Benfica, 70 million-odd price. Makes a lot of sense for the old Man United. But uh, I don't think this one will be happening anytime soon. We'll be talking about that anyway. We'll talk about centre-backs as well. Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof are likely to be the first-choice pairing, I would imagine, when uh, United come back immediately uh, against, the, they play Burnley in the League Cup, right? there's some league fixtures as well. Lisandro Martinez and uh, Rafa Varane are into the latter stages of the World Cup, and you'd think they would be given a bit of a break. So we'll be talking about Eric Ten Hag challenging Harry Maguire. We'll talk some potential transfer targets as well. Kim Min-Jae from Napoli and Josko Gvardiol has been linked 
uh, with United this week too. We'll talk World Cup and we'll talk how United's pre-season, mid-pre-season, how do you say it? Re-season? I don't know. Hashtag MU Tour, I think they wanted to call it. MU Tour to Spain. Not a successful one really on the pitch in terms of results or performances, but we'll talk about that at the end as well. But let's start at the top. Rob, I'm going to go to your Twitter. And, uh, oh, actually, I've lost it. Let me see. I'm going to talk about uh, what Marcel Brands has said about Cody Gakpo. Now, you have tweeted here. Director of football, Marcel Brands. You have to be realistic. When you talk about Cody Gakpo and the price tag, how many clubs are able to buy a player of that caliber? You're talking about maybe 10 or 12 clubs in Europe. You need a player in that position and be willing... To spend the money in January, which is normally less hectic than the summer, we have to. We have yet to see if it happens. He has no clause or anything. The agreements that were made, were they before my time? Also at Everton, I believe, before. Uh, amounts have not been discussed, but if the right club comes that Cody Gapper would like to go to, he's going on vacation. If something is at play, it's perhaps known to Cody or his management, but not to us yet. And what we understand at 90 Min, and we've said this pretty much all along, is that they are ready to sell because they have a big hole because they uh, didn't qualify for the Champions League and they need some money. So you see these price tags of 70 million and, you know, massive numbers, that kind of thing. I don't think PSV are really in that kind of position to go and demand that kind of money. I think United might see this as an easy negotiation, although they will be paying more than they could have done in the summer. Uh, so PSV expecting Gakbo to leave the club in January. We're that's what we've learned. And United, obviously, front of the queue. Are you expecting this one to happen? And what do you make of Marcel Brands and his comments, Rob? Yes, I think it will happen. I think it will happen quite quickly. So what do we kind of know from kind of all sides? Gakpo's very motivated, obviously, to make the move. His move in his head was always Manchester United. So going back over weeks when we were talking about it in the summer, for him, he was highly motivated to kind of make that move. What happened? United ended up with Anthony, ended up spending money elsewhere. It didn't quite happen. But he's been sensational, hasn't he, for club and country. He's also had a breakout World Cup where he's now a star. People know who he is, did well for his country. Um, and it's about now, I think, what does Eric Ten Hag need immediately? Well, where are we? We're now in a post-Ronaldo utopia. Here we go. So you need a forward. So I think that's kind of the next obvious step. I think as far as PS3 going, you've just said it there, they need the cash. For them, it's to decide whether they hold on till next summer and maybe Gakpo's worth more money and there's more suitors. Or do they just go back to the initial conversations that had with Manchester United and maybe just write a couple more zeros on the checks and say, look, you know, we were going to give him to you for like 25, 30 million. He's clearly worth more than that now. So let's renegotiate that price. Depends what Man United want to do in terms of their overall budget, doesn't it? But I do think now that now Ronaldo's at the club, half a million pound a week of wages, vanished off your books means that you can go and do some more business. Gakpo won't come at a high wage cost. You'll come at something fairly reasonable. And I still think, like you just said there, well, you know, would United be able to get the price that they want? Maybe not, but I don't think they have to pay too far over the odds to tempt both the player and the club. Yeah, obviously we've talked about Cody Gakpo at length in the last few episodes because he's been the name closest to United, it seems. United wanted him in the summer as well. I think Rob, well, Rob, Rob has said it already. I think I pretty much expect this to happen and probably pretty soon as well. But we'll see. Uh, there are other names on the agenda. Gonzalo Ramos, you mentioned there, Cristiano Ronaldo, Rob. Uh, Ronaldo has left United and it seems like <clears throat> his position 
even if he, I, I think it's, set, it's been seen today that Ronaldo is going to carry on if Portugal need him through Euro 2024 uh, international level. But Gonzalo Ramos is a Benfica striker who has obviously scored a hat-trick in the World Cup and took all the headlines when he replaced Ronaldo in the team. Started the next game and Portugal went out. No reflection on him, obviously, but it just Portugal had a bad day. And uh, he has been thrust into the spotlight and United have inevitably been linked with him. He, he does seem like the right type of forward, the right a modern forward, a guy who looks cool and calm in front of goal and does Rob's favourite thing, pressing. Do you like he him? Does does a bit of pressing. So, yeah, I, I said to you off camera, didn't I, that the first thing I always look at now, especially with this manager, with Eric Ten Hag, is what does this player do in the press? Because what you do off ball is as important as what you do on it now. That's the modern game. What do you do off the ball? How do you help the team? Where do you go? That's why Ronaldo was so spectacularly bad, not because Ronaldo doesn't score goals. Ronaldo does not help you off ball and it really, really hurts you. So I think when you look at someone like Ramos, uh, like comparing him to, say, Gakpo, because this is the this is what the dilemma now for United is. Do you go with someone like Gakpo, who's scoring tons of goals, getting loads of assists, and has become this kind of progressively big name, and play him through the left channel in the left half space and work that way and do something different? Gakpo left, Martial maybe through the middle wide with a Rashford, and then on the right-hand side gives you options there maybe with Anthony and Sancho. Do you do that and go forward with that kind of fluid attack? Or do you look for someone who's a little bit number nine orientated, but still does a little bit of those things? So that's the whole thing is that I think Ramos does do those things, but I think it's going to come at a bigger cost. So this is why I think that he's more second in line to the throne. Of course, he had that one good game at the World Cup, smashed the hat trick while Cristiano sat there a little bit like, hmm, okay, I'm on the bench. I know the cameras are all on me. Kind of, well done, mate we're through and then we're out the tournament. So good player, uh, decent, not quite sure if he is really the the real deal, like his flavour of the month. And I think that's something, again, United would have to look at. I don't see Eric Ten Hag turning to him over Gakpo, but I think Gakpo is so close now that if you're kind of choosing the two, there might even be somewhere in there that United go for both. We don't really know what's going on with Jadon Sancho. It's getting a little bit iffy with Sancho. We know that he didn't go on the tour to Spain and we know that's about fitness. I don't think there's any two you know, big red flags there when it goes to that. But does the manager fancy Sancho long-term? I'm not quite sure. I'm not 100% sure yet, but we still haven't talked about players like Garnacho. There are players at Alanga. Will Alanga stay at the football club or will he be kind of shown the door later on uh, in the summer? There's options there to bring in new talent in those positions that maybe we feel that are not priority positions for Man United. I think if we had said six months ago that Eric Ten Hag didn't fancy Sancho, that would have been blasphemy. Uh, but it's weird how it works out. Uh, we, we do know with Sancho that the manager has spoken to him and said, you're going to the Netherlands to get fit. You're not coming on this tour and kicking a football you're going to Netherlands to get fit. This is what I've done with XYZ players. This has worked for me. I'm sending you to this coach. You're going there. And Sancho supposedly been very happy with that. So it's just like, yeah, I'm going to go do that because then I can come back. I can forget about the World Cup and my disappointments. I'll come play for Man United again. So let's see what happens with that. I think that's a wait and see. And of course, we'd all love Jaden Sancho to get an opportunity. There's now a number seven shirt free at Man United. Isn't there, Scott? Who's going to get it? Don't think anyone will get it till the summer. Internal Sancho, competition. 
Well, if Sancho wants it, he's going to have to fight a few people for it because there are there are options, you know, like I, I said this the other day, Marcus Rashford now back on form. Could he carry the seven as a Manchester United, Manchester-born footballer? Now, most United fans would say, no, no, thank you. That's not what we want. But could United look at that and say, yeah, you know, we feel that he's going to be a central part of this team going forward because the manager's been very, very complimentary of Rashford in the last 24, 48 hours saying that to him, he believes he's one of the best in the world and only Mbappe beats him. That's what he said uh, on camera. So let's see what happens with that. And of course, there's Anthony maybe is for the number seven. There are options for United Garnacho. Maybe he's a long-term number seven if you want to keep him and give him a new contract. So good competition within the ranks. So I think that's healthy. Do you think Gakpo will get it? I no. don't think so. No. Be a big risk. No. It's it's too much. It's too heavy for him to carry in the first instance. So you know he could become an incredible player for Man United. I I have faith in him. I've watched so much of him after the summer because we were so interested in him. It was like right, let's do our due diligence on this player. Watched every minute for him for PSV, and he's really good. And he showed at the World Cup he's really good. So could he replicate that in the Premier League? Maybe, hopefully. But I think the number seven shirt. It's so heavy at Man United, isn't it? Like, I, I think you either go really young and give it to Garnacho and say, you're going to be like Ronaldo at 18 with the seven and we'll build you up and over time. Or you look elsewhere, even maybe Anthony to an extent, I think Anthony would be ready for that kind of number. Um, it's funny we talk about numbers, isn't it, at Man United? But the seven shirt is an in, important part of our history. I'm a squad numbers nerd, to be fair. I, I, I take a lot of interest in it. Uh, just touching on Gonzalo Ramos before we move on to the defence. Uh, I make this one quite unlikely. I don't, I don't think this is going to happen anytime soon. Summer at the at the very earliest, the summer. Uh, but even then, I kind of make this one just one of those passing names that uh, maybe the interest will intensify. But if United go and do sign Cody Gapo, they've already got a fair few options with the emergence of Garnacho because he was not considered like a, a bona fide first team prospect at the start of the season. So they have, they have bulked up in that department. Yeah. I think with Ramos as well, let's see if he has a kind of Darwin Nunes type second half of the season. Cause I think it's one of those things that you get a player like Darwin Nunes, who again was rated a relatively affordable price, had a good champions league uh, campaign until they exited did really well in a domestic league and suddenly he's worth a ton of money and gone to Liverpool like that man United sniffing around it's too late uh, Liverpool have got their man so I think he's going to be that kind of player he kind of reminds me not stylistically as a player but he reminds me of Jota in the sense that he can do different things for you and he will press and he will work you can play him through the centre you can get him to do two or three different things but it's all about price isn't it and I think the fact that he scored that hat-trick at the World Cup definitely puts a few more zeros on his valuation that might not be genuine you know you might be looking at him more as a 30 or 40 or 50 million pound player but above that I think you'd have to have huge justification for him to be 60 or 70 that's you know, we're pushing towards Anthony territory there, aren't we? So uh, for me, not quite there. But I think United are definitely inquiring about him. Yeah, for sure. They should be doing their due diligence on these types of players. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the defence because Eric Ten Hag has spoken about Harry Maguire, who is out of the World Cup with England. However, played all right. I've had a bit. I've had a few debates with people about whether Maguire has been good or not. I thought I thought he's been okay. England's defence, obviously. Not the strongest part of their team, 
but he has been talking about Maguire. He said, I can only back him. I've been asked many times if he's good enough, and it's clear that he's, a, he's good enough to play at the highest level. And then it's up to him to show that confidence on the pitch. He didn't show that in all the games. When he's playing with that confidence like now, he's a massively important player for us, and that's what everyone expects. That's what Harry expects from himself. He has that high standard. He wants to play at the highest level. He wants to lead the defensive line, so it's up to him. I'm sure he has the potential to play in our style and fit into our system. Uh, Maguire probably never had the benefit of a Casemiro in front of him during his time at United. He's obviously had McTominay and Fred for most of his time. And uh, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge set by Eric Ten Hag for Harry Maguire to go and step up. He will, like, like we say, Rob, at the start of the show, he will probably get his chance over the next few games because of the involvement in uh, the World Cup for Lisandro Martinez and Rafa Varane, who both play in World Cup semifinals. Uh, just after we record this episode. So what is, what's Maguire got to do then? Because he's third choice, pretty much locked in. He's, he's third choice at the moment, maybe even fourth choice. I'm not sure. But yeah, uh, obviously Maguire's position in this team has been debated to the hilt to the point where it's boring. But is is there any chance that he comes back and reasserts himself and makes his way and establishes himself as a real Ten Hag player, do you think, Rob? There's a chance that he comes back and plays games, but I think, again, you've got to kind of look at the broader picture and think about whether a play can be successful for you or not. You know, I think when you are playing for England and your primary job is to walk the ball out from the back, which is what he was doing for England, walking the ball out and then playing it sideways to John Stones, who would walk three more feet and then play it back to Harry Maguire, well, well and good. You can do that in, in uh, international games where the pace is a lot slower. If you do that in Premier League, you're dead. Simple as that. Do it in the Champions League, you are dead. You know, so all of those kind of bigger competitions where the aggression and the adrenaline is flowing, I think that's where Maguire has been lacking. So we know that Maguire is technically a ball player. So for that, in theory, could he do like a delict job for Ten Hag at Man United? Of course he could. But the fact that he's so slow off the ball gives you massive problems. It's the same with Lindelof, both technically okay on the ball. But if you lose the ball or someone's bursting through you and running the channel, Harry's going to get done. So this is a kind of thing where you are with it is that pace is sometimes a strange kind of metric to use for a player because of course you'd love everyone to be quick wouldn't you but it doesn't always make the player it's about this how do you play the game up here and I think Maguire's confidence has slowly ebbed away over a period of time he's been really good for Man United at times when people have said he hasn't been so let's put that on the table you know I think in Solskjaer's most successful periods that Maguire did really well during that when they ran up to the Europa League where they lost to Villarreal you know Harry Maguire's in sensational form up to them and he got injured deep... at Aston. Was it Aston Villa? He got That's injured it. at. Yeah. Yeah, and and let's be honest. I think if he'd if he'd been fit for the Europa League final, I think United win it. I think that's how important losing Maguire was at that point. But are you going to build this new Man United playing a four-one-five, which is what the system is? That's kind of it's all variations of four-three-three, but they're playing this four-one-five with Casemiro. Uh, is your perfect choice Harry Maguire? No. Does that mean Maguire won't play? Also, no. I think he will play when the opportunity is there. You just said about Varane and Martinez. Obviously, we'll see wh- who who gets to the final and who does what. But Martinez himself hasn't played all the minutes for Argentina, has he? Kind of come off the bench quite a bit. 
uh, Varane's played a lot more. I actually think that when you get to that first game of the season after Christmas at Nottingham Forest at uh, Old Trafford, I think they'll be ready. I think those two boys will be ready. I don't actually think the, 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 the soft plan was to give players 10 days off. So let them go away, have a holiday, have a break. Now, obviously, the England boys have come and gone. They'll be on their breaks already, already on day three or four of their holidays. So they've got another week to go. They'll be back at Carrington and be training. I don't think the players left existing in the tournament I think they'll they'll be they'll be off for a week of sun, back training. They won't lose any fitness. They'll probably be ready to play. And I think Varane's played really well. And I think Martinez has played really well when he's been in the pitch. Kind of surprised that he's not been an automatic starter over Otamendi, though people are now telling me Otamendi's so good and all of this. Before the tournament, I'd have gone nowhere near Otamendi. So uh, so it shows what we know sometimes. But um, but yeah, I think those two boys will start. And, and, and I think Maguire will get minutes because I think that he's shown in this World Cup that he's still viable. But whether he's really your choice that you want to go forward with, like to me, he's still very much third choice, maybe even fourth. I think both him and Lindelof, the ideal scenario will be to buy a new centre-back and sell both of them. Well, Rob, that's a lovely tee up for my next section. You did that on purpose, didn't you? Of course I did. It's like I know the script. <laughs> Kim Min Jae of Napoli and Josco Guardiol, a World Cup star. He probably makes team of the tournament. If you were going to do it right yeah. now, uh, probably makes team of the tournament at centre back, can also play left back, is an RB Leipzig player, probably one of the next big sales off of their production line. There's a lot of those. Uh, we've talked about a few of them on this show as well. Oh, he's at Napoli. He's at Napoli. Guardiola is at Leipzig. Guardiola. You talk about Guardiola. I thought you were talking yeah. about uh, a rather centre-back. Sorry, yes. Uh, I'm putting them together. So we're okay, both yeah, sorry. right. We're both right. Yes. So Guardiola at uh, Leipzig, at Kim Leipzig, yeah. at Napoli. And uh, I was talking about the production line of RB Leipzig players in, mm. in Josco Guardiola. Could be the next one off it. But Kim Min Jae also... Uh, on United's hit list, apparently, if you believe uh, something that have been circling over the last few days, hmm. are they? Which one of these is a viable replacement, Rob? Because I'm going to say, as much as Guardiola is a really good prospect, I don't think that that was going to happen at all. I make it more likely to go to Chelsea to fill in that uh, Rudiger size hole. To be honest, or Manchester City, or Manchester City. Like I, I, I think. I think the thing is, we, again, we get very um, caught up in whether a player is left-footed, right-footed. The reason why we get so caught up in it today is that coaches are caught up in it. Coaches are really, really pushing that narrative, especially Dutch coaches. They love a left-sided player to be left-footed, which makes sense, doesn't it? But of course, we don't, we haven't seen that in English football be a thing over many, many years. You know, you, it was just if you're right-sided and you played left side, then you kind of adjust your body. Where it's like, well, why? So I think with Guardiola, I think he he's an he's an incredible centre back. Like he really. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savoury tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yes. And is he a generational talent? You know, presumably that's what he's going to become, or at least show he is. 
Are Man United really going to pay 80, 90 million for a left-footed, left-sided centre-back when they just went and bought Martinez? And Martinez is probably the most popular player at Man United now, wouldn't you say? Like a cult figure, you know, potential next captain of the football club. It's not going to happen. And I think that's why it won't happen. So uh, I, I think the thing is with Kim and looking at what, what he's done as well with uh, South Korea and how, they, how he's played for, for Korea, he's a player that you can go get He's got a release clause of around 40 million euros and he's been brilliant for Napoli and he was good for his country. He's shown what he's got and he is a thinking, progressive centre-back that can do all the mobility stuff but can pass the ball out and keeps the ball and is beautiful with it. He's the best in the um, in uh, Serie A with the ball at his feet at centre-back statistically and that's the kind of centre-back that this manager likes. He wants to be able to do that. He's kind of like Maguire with mobility. You know, like that's kind of the way I would call him is that he's a unit, but at the same time, he's got all of those kind of touches and movements and gets the ball going. Uh, and so I think United will look for right side of centre-back either in this window, they can get it, but probably more long-term the summer. Again, when you're thinking about the building, because then you'd have to maybe move Maguire and Lindelof off your wage bill to bring in another centre-back. We haven't talked about two and Zabi. He's kind of back now. Will he get minutes? I think he actually might. You know, he's not quite fit enough We've been yet. having this conversation for about five years. <laughs> the perennial <laughs> two and Zabi conversation that goes round and round and round and round. But I think two and Zabi still is a really good player. I think with the right manager that he can do stuff for you, especially as a reserve, you know, someone coming off. We didn't see, a, we haven't talked about this at all, but Mengi played the second game against Cadiz and got quite a bad injury. So we don't know. I don't know if you know, is it, do we, do we know what there's no word on it extent was it didn't look nice. I watched it live and it was like, Oh no. So Mengi's off the radar. So you're going to have to maybe bring two and Zabi, you know, a step forward. But then United have to decide about what the priority positions are. So I really do think the forward line is still the priority. They want to be able to score goals and be more mobile up top. And I think if Casemiro can carry on doing what we've seen, and he's he's brilliant at the World Cup, wasn't he? He was really sensational. I think he can reproduce his form for Man United. Then there is a chance that Maguire, with him in front of him, giving him the ball as an outlet rather than, say, back to Lindelof or inside to Martinez. I think it it could work. There's There's an opportunity there. Yeah, uh, right back is a position that I think United will be looking at with a lot mm. of attention as well. Possibly even in January, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, touching on uh, Casemiro's World Cup performances there, another section we did want to talk about today was the World Cup players and the involvements yeah. of United players at the World Cup. I think it's pretty good World Cup overall. I think Marcus Rashford had a good time. Uh, Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, been okay. I think in terms of best United player at the tournament. I think Casemiro is... I was watching him. He looked up to speed. You know, we had that concern at the start of the season where he just wasn't really... He wasn't in the team. Scott McTominay was getting a pick ahead of him. Mm. And he came in. He looked a bit leggy at times. He wasn't very good at mobility. He wasn't getting around the pitch all that well. But now he looks up to it, doesn't he? And I think he... It was a big shock that Brazil went out. And I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, Neymar apparently berated Fred for leaving leaving his position in the lead up to the goal that uh, Croatia scored, the equaliser. Uh, so that's interesting. But I think Casemiro has been, he probably been my pick uh, out of the United players who've had the best World Cup. Any any alternative shouts for you, Rob? Who's impressed no, you? 
Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I've, I always look at World Cups when thinking about Manchester United players, about whether their stock has either flatlined, bottomed out or gone up. And and I'm happy to say that I don't think any of the Man United players that went out there really kind of flatlined or bottomed out completely. You know, I think there was positives everywhere. I think Delo was probably one of the best right backs uh, through the group stages, did really well. Unfortunately, again, got injured. Don't know what how long that will be. That's not something we, we know at the moment. Um, I think when we saw Casemiro, again, you compare him and Fred, there was a lot of talk before the tournament that they would be the start in cent- the central midfield. But every bit I kind of saw of Fred is the bit that kind of maybe talk about flatlining. You looked at him and you thought, he's not the kind of player I'd, I'd want in my midfield. So I think Casemiro did well, Fred not so much. Anthony got some minutes and did well, but wasn't always on the pitch. Uh, Martinez was at uh, uh, Argentina, I think has done well when he's been on the pitch. But overall, I think the England lads, I think Luke Shaw had a really steady tournament and progressively got better. Maguire was steady as well. But Marcus Rashford, I think he's the guy who's really come out of it with his stock gone like that. Mm-hmm. So we saw at United, didn't we, in the last few weeks that he's been improving. One of the things that the manager said in the last few days was that Marcus Rashford is really good. There's no better player in his position than Mbappe. But the thing that I like the most about Marcus Rashford is how good he's become off the ball. That's what I like about him. And it's a bit like, that's a good shout because we know this manager is obsessed with what goes on off the ball. So I think as soon as you highlight that, it kind of tells you what he's thinking about the player because that's a really important part of his system. So I think I agree with that as well. I think that I think that both in the press and helping and kind of third man runs and doing all that stuff that the the technical bits and pieces that coaches are obsessed with. I think Marcus has come a really long way. And now there's kind of talk of him saying, right, could you play him as the striker? You know, we know Martial is probably first choice, but Rashford is, is in a lethal vein of form at the moment. Could you exploit that as him as a nine? Or do you stick him on the left? Or if you bring in Gakpo, will Gakpo have to start on the left and then you bring Rashford central? Or do you dovetail them? Do, I think, do, I think what did lesson. you make of Rashford playing on the right? I thought Rashford playing on the right was the wrong choice. And I say that as a Manchester United fan and analyst because we know what Marcus says himself. Marcus says, I'm not as good off the right. We know he can play there. I think, again, when you look at the options of Gareth Southgate, and you know, this is a bigger conversation about the England manager himself, it's about looking at kind of some of those tactical decisions and either making safe decisions or progressive ones. And Marcus Rashford has been so good off the left and through the centre for Man United. He's been really good in those places. And the place he fails is on the right. And Southgate thought, I'll give him eight minutes on the right. It's It's... it's I don't know. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think another manager gets more out of Marcus Rashford in this tournament, even though I think Marcus did really well. So th- these are the kind of nuances I look at of international football about how a coach uses players, because there is a leaning towards conservatism. I think that's normal in international football. It's a slower game. But I think you want to give players a chance to thrive. I don't think we saw that. You know, even with Southgate, Saka comes off the pitch, probably your best player. Why? doesn't make sense. You know, you, you look at players who don't get pulled and then you bring on Sterling, who's not been with the camp and not trained. I don't get yeah, any of those things. They, 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 it's weird, but it's also weird because it's nonsensical. So I think with Marcus Rashford, I think with the time that he did get on the pitch, he did really well from that side. You know, he kind of proved that he was in the game at least. 
Um, would I have played him more? Probably not. I'd have started him on the bench. I think that was the right thing to do uh, when you look at all the players that you've got at your disposal. Uh, but I think his stock has gone up. You know, there's a lot of talk. PSG last week, really talking about Marcus Rashford. Yes, we've talked to him before. We love him. We would really like to speak to him more in the future. Bit naughty. You shouldn't really be saying that out loud, PSG. But we do know, of course, that his camp did speak to PSG previously. But that was, of course, at the end of the kind of Solskjaer season going into the Ranić times where Marcus was clearly unhappy at the football club. Yeah, his contract, I think United have taken up the contract extension options on Diogo Dallo and Marcus Rashford and Done. possibly some other players as well, I forget. But um, yeah, that is... You've got to get Garnacho over the line now. That's an, to trying to get contracts uh, rectified. Those two guys will, will definitely be remaining on those extra options. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think I think Garnacho is till 25, actually. Um, but yes, uh, we're talking about World Cup there. Rob, um, I know we said we, we weren't going to do this before the show, but I want to do it. And listener, if uh, if you want, if, if the World Cup games have passed, you can just skip two minutes because me and Rob are going to put our predictions down for the World Cup. Or you can listen in retrospect and criticize us for being wrong and have a joke. Uh, who do you think is going to win the World Cup from here? I've said it all along. I'm just going to stick with it. Argentina all the way. I said it before, you know, 34 games unbeaten. Messi, Martinez, a, a, a solid team, not a great team. They're really not a great team. I look at them and kind of think, ooh, Otamendi, who's played quite well. But I look across it and and, and I actually think the uh, this is where I'm going to put my neck on the block and might look stupid in our next show. Um I think the charlatans of the tournament are France. I think France mm. have got France have got Mbappe, and Mbappe can beat everyone on his day, and that's what he is. I don't think Mbappe did anything against England. I think Carl Walker, of all players, kept him in his in his lane and didn't really didn't really give England a lot of problems against two centre backs that are pretty slow and could get run. It didn't happen. I think Griezmann's playing well. I think uh, Dembele can hurt you, but then I look across the team. And I see players in that team that in that match with England who would not get in the England team uh, in multiple positions across the, across the board. So, you know, we can, even when you look at Varane, like we like Varane because he's a Man United player, but he's not the Varane of old. He isn't. He's, he's a kind of declining, slowly player who's still very good on his day and when he's fit, but that kind of failing health will affect him in the next year or two, won't it? I think we all feel that overall. Uh, but you just look at some of their positions, France. I think that they've got a good chance of still winning it. Like even though I say all of that because they're the holders, they've done it before. Deschamps knows what he's doing. But I think they were lucky against England. I think if England had had a little bit more nous in the top end of the pitch with how easy they got in the final third, they could have beaten France in normal time. And then of course we wouldn't be having this conversation about England coming home. Yeah, I think what you do see, regardless. Uh... In all four of the teams, like there's this outcry for England to play amazing front foot, attractive football that wins. Mm. All of these teams have one thing in common. None of them are great teams. All of them have won their matches in moments by staying steady. I know Argentina had that big upset in the, in the opening game, which uh, probably probably worked in their favour, actually. Uh, give them a little bit of a jolt. Um, but these teams are not great teams. What they do have is that know-how and that knowledge that England do, did lack. And I think there were times where 
you, you mentioned Mbappe didn't really do anything, but in the lead up to the first goal in the England-France game, Mbappe is the one who carried the ball down the left side and transferred mm-hmm. across the pitch. Declan Rice tried to tried to hack him down and he couldn't do it. Mm. And that's where the goal came from. Uh, yeah. You know, that know-how, that and taking your chances and capitalizing on your moments. Morocco didn't have a bunch of chances, but they did capitalize when they did have a chance by getting up high. Diogo Costa not covering not covering himself in glory there. Croatia striking back when it mattered most, you know, all of these teams, not great teams, but you don't win tournaments by playing beautiful football. You just got to stick in there and take your chances. You do. And I agree with you. And I think that international football and club football is very different, but I also kind of stick to the, the kind of moral value in football that you can be more expansive at times. You don't need to do what England were doing, passing the ball backwards and forwards for 20 minutes because that's just international football. I don't believe that at all. I do believe that you can kill games like that and you can kind of get somewhere. Like Croatia are a great example of sticking in it and staying in the tournament, aren't they? And then you've got maybe teams like Brazil who are a good example of being more expansive, but not getting there, not getting to where they needed to be. Maybe the best Brazil teams going back over time that have won World Cups have actually been more functional than flair-driven. They've always had that kind of Dunga-type presence there to be able to boss it. They've had a Casemiro in there as well, and it didn't work. So I think it is a balance. I think with England, I don't think there is an outcry to play like beautiful... Oh, there is. I've seen enough I've had enough of these conversations. (laughs) If there are England fans that feel that, then fine, let them let them think that. I think people have kind of, in terms of maybe credibility about whether they've seen England over a long period of time or how they feel about the team, you need balance. You need someone who can give you defensive know-how, defensive acumen, but also allow your forward players to have a plan and do something going forward. I don't think England had that. I think the plan was, well, Sterling and Kane will get us goals. I think that was the plan. And maybe then Marcus will come off the bench. And there's this lad called Foden. He's all right. We'll play him now and then, even though he might be already one of the best players in the world. So it's kind of, I I think the balance was wrong, even with Saka, you know, like, he Saka got a lot of criticism off this last game and I still think he was our best player on the pitch I think he did the most kind of flair driven actions but you're kind of isolating him on the right hand side it doesn't help him he's not doing what he does for Arsenal so I think it's a balance Scott and I think that's really what it is at international football and I think the team that will win the tournament will have that balance that's why I go with Argentina because I think that they are solid they are nasty. They will put their foot in. They will put their neck on the block. But at the same time, they've got Messi. And do you know what it'll be? I think if they win the tournament, do you know who I think the hero will be? It won't be Messi. It'll be Julian Alvarez. I'm putting that out there now. So this is the whole thing. Julian Alvarez, I've sung his praises all year long and everyone's gone, oh, but he's at Man City. He's not playing games. Or so I'm like, just wait. He's brilliant. <laughs> and he's going he's gonna to prove it on a stage. And now here we are at the World Cup. As we said, we don't even know if Argentina are through or not. That happens tonight. So they might already be out while you're watching this. But I think it's players like Julian Alvarez. I think that's how you build. That's, you know, like England had those types of players like Saka, like Foden, the next generation that are ready now. Um, I want to see England, the next manager, if there is a next manager or whether it stays at Southgate. I want to see our faith in that core of Premier League players that play every week for their clubs and play at the highest levels and see them being told to do the same at international level, not just playing in some quasi system where they sit back and soak everything up. I don't think you need to do that to be winners. 
Sorry, that was more than two minutes. Uh, you it was. Had to skip through that. Um, but yes, uh, that is our, I, I think, I would like to see an Argentina-France final. And I I think France would go in favourites, but I, I agree with you. I think Argentina just got that. They've got something that people aren't really detecting that I just think might take them through. Anyway, we could be wrong in three hours' time or four hours' time or however long it is. Uh, we shall see. I have said I think Morocco will get to the final. I have said would that. Not, so su- a, would not surprise me at and, all. And, and the reason is, is that no one's giving them the credit they deserve. The reason why they're in the semi-final is because they're really good. You know, they know how to soak up the game. They don't need possession to win. They can play you on the counter and defensively, they are 100% sure of their jobs. They know what they're doing, which probably means that they're already out of the tournament when you're listening to this and Argentina have gone and France are going to win and Mbappe is going to score a double hat trick. (laughs) To wrap up, Rob, United have been to Spain. They lost two games. United, they've had an injury. Some of the players, the fringe players that were on the Mm. tour have some have impressed, some have really failed to impress. You've watched these games. I honestly... Uh, I'm a United fan. I love United, but I just couldn't be bothered. I'm just all footballed out. I'm, I need a break until the competitive football comes back. I'll just stick with the four world cup games that we've got. And then I'll, when the final finishes, when the final finishes, I'll, I'll turn my attention back to Man United and competitive action. But Rob, what did you make of the trip to Spain? Well, I felt compelled to watch every minute and then watch it all again. I watched them twice, and the second really, time I watched, yeah, I watched them twice. Good in, grief, Rob! In a prof, in a professional capacity as a journalist who watches Manchester United, I was like, let's see the detail. Let's see if there's something in there that I could see that wasn't there that hasn't been talked about, and is there something we can use on our shows and that we can tweet about or talk about? And the truth is, there wasn't. So the whole thing is, I think, over the two tour games was the some of the kids looked all right and some of the senior players stank. Um, you looked across it, Lindelof wasn't fantastic at the back. Um, you said, obviously, we talked about Mengi earlier on. He got injured. That was sad. Donny van der Beek looks like he plays for another football club. Like, I don't know who he is. I don't know what he does. So the first game he played, second game he didn't. He got an injury before in the warm-up. Uh, obviously, no Jaden Sancho, but I think the two players that I think you come out of the back of these these two matches for being highlighted is definitely Zidane Iqbal uh, and Kobe Manu. And I think when you look at those two young lads, and I'm going to keep saying it and banging my desk, I want these two in the first team. Get them in the first team and start rotating them. Use them somehow, whether it's minutes off the bench or just being on the bench. You know, Garnacho has showed this season. When everyone said to me at the start of the season, Garnacho won't get minutes. Garnacho is not good enough. He's not ready. He's too young. He needs a loan. All of this. He won the Youth Cup only a few months ago, and now he's in the team and he's viable. I think you've got to push players forward if they've got talent. So these are the two, I think, are the obvious ones. Also, I think uh, Charlie Savage is is not, you know, he didn't get as many minutes in this um, in this little tour of Spain. Like he really did. I don't know why that is. Uh, I think he's coming back from injury actually. Um, but you've got players in there, Scott, that you can start using. And I'd like to see the manager just give them a few kind of tasters of the first team. They're training obviously with the first team, pushing them forward, and and yeah, like push them out on loan if you have to. But I think Ten Hag wants to keep some of these young players closer to him than just letting them go out. Hannibal obviously he went to the World Cup, didn't he? Which in his year didn't play. 
hardly played at all. Didn't yeah. so so uh, so he'll be back at Birmingham, and he's already said he's looking forward to going back and helping Birmingham get promoted. So you've got really good young players, but it didn't quite happen in this little tour. I, I do feel it was quite flat. I think United went there with big expectations and played two first teams, Cadiz's first team and Betis's first team, while we played a big mixture of just anyone who wanted to wanted a game, put a bib on. Um, and that doesn't quite work, and it showed it didn't work. But Ten Hag said that he did get some good stuff out of it in terms of the training. Yes, indeed. Uh, any final thoughts, Rob? Any uh, additional things before uh, our next show on Friday? Obviously, we've done the World Cup section, but any no, final thoughts? I- we're now about to go into silly season. So not just in case about the Premier League starting up again, but we are going into transfer business. And there's no doubt that below the surface now, I've heard plenty of rumblings that are kind of interesting and stuff that you're waiting for development. So you can talk about it a little bit more freely. Um, I do think that Gakpo is the obvious one. I think that is where Man United want to go. And I think PSV are readying themselves to do business. The Gakpo being on holiday, will he even go back to Eindhoven? I'm not so sure might be done while he's on holiday. And I think Man United would like to unveil him pretty soon when that kind of January the 1st spins round. And of course, we're only, what, two weeks away from that. So I think in the next week, we will hear more confirmation on numbers and uh, whether the deal is definitely going to go forward. I don't think we'll hear anything directly from Eric Ten Hag. So I think in our next few shows, we're going to be talking a lot about transfers. But of course, the Premier League is back. So we will be talking about some actual Manchester United football as well. Yes, we will indeed. That's it for us today. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify, and you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays as well. So head over to the YouTube channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment. How much of Man United's friendlies have you watched during this uh, little Spanish tour? Is it more than me? Are you a more committed Man United fan? Twice. Fair play. Fair play. I, I don't think anyone's beating Rob's minute score. But yeah, join the community. Leave a comment as well. Get in touch with us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show as well. Rob, thanks very much. I'm, hope, I'm hoping I'm feeling better for our next show on Friday. I'm just a little bit tired today. Hopefully that didn't come across in our broadcast, but we'll see you very soon for another Palmer's Land. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.